Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. If I haven't met you, my name is Ron, and um, I work for Michael. <laughs> I don't really, but you know, I wouldn't mind. Yeah. Uh, Mike, Michael, I, I texted him this morning to ask, would you come and just really quickly tell the people a little bit about what you're leading on Monday nights and invite them? There's, there's a very, very cool thing happening in Oceanside, and Michael's the instigator, so tell us about it. Um, thank you. Uh, so about two years ago, we'll start two years ago, be quick though. Let me have um, a seat, this yeah, could be a, a while. Um, we... Uh, <laughs> I think it was me, Stephen, and, and Russ Brown didn't really know where to go to, to do the ministry that we do, which is street ministry. So we decided to, uh, to walk down into these bushes and follow uh, some bicycle tire tracks. And uh, we ran across a guy who had a girlfriend who he said had come back to the tent to die. She didn't want to stay in the hospital during COVID and die alone. She had congestive heart failure. So we went and we, uh, we prayed for her. Um, last Monday, we celebrated her 37th birthday. Wow. God has used that area, and he's moved mightily in that area to bring other members of the homeless community um, to that area and people that we've established relationships with. So our ministry tries to do what Jesus does. He just spends time with the Father, he goes out, he sees a need, he's moved by compassion, he acts on that need. Um, that he, was a three-part sermon right there. Yeah, it was. It was so good. Beautiful, right? Say, say that again. He spends time yeah. with the Father. Spends time with the Father. And he goes out and sees a need. Goes out, sees a need. And then does something. Is moved by compassion, and then oh. he does something. Amen. Okay. Compassion part. Now let, we'll do right? an altar call right now. Right. I mean, that was awesome. Exactly. So, he does that. But one of the things he does that's amazing, and then he teaches about it, actually. One of the things he does, though, that's amazing, and that he loves to do, that tiny guy like me, look at me, I love to do, is he would sit down and he would break bread with everyone. And he broke bread with tax collectors, prostitutes, demon-possessed, I would imagine drunks. He broke bread with the people nobody wanted to sit at the table with anymore. Every Monday night, that's what we do with these people that developed out of this community where a sign and wonder occurred. Mm-hmm. And, and um, so what happens there is really very basic and very simple. We, we, we don't go in there with a sermon. We don't go in there singing kumbaya. Um, it happens. Don't, mis- don't misunderstand me. But what also happens is that through relationships and through the love that we share with these people, we've watched one gal. She's gone to school and has become a... Um, a uh, peer, what's it called? Thank you. Peer support specialist. And Snake doesn't know it yet, but he's going to pay for her testing. Um, <laughs> got you, brother. <laughs> um, that's, how, that's how we do it here. Right. And so, so that's happened. Jennifer. Get your wallet out, brings, Snake. Right? Jennifer, who brings these uh, hygiene cups to women 6,000 miles away in Rwanda and Kenya and all these other places, found a need for them right there and is going to begin distributing them to people right here in the community of Oceanside. Wow. So, I, these are just a couple of the things that happen there. There is no end game. There really isn't. 
but, but what I do know is that, that, you know, we come up with Ron teaches this stuff, we talk about this stuff. Come on out and do it. Come on out and sit at this table with me and experience the kingdom of God. 6.30 Monday nights, every Monday, at Fireside Park. Okay, it's easy to find me. I'm around the church after the, after the service. I'll tell you how to do it. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. And if you don't know where Fireside Park is, like I don't, either you have in your pocket a smartphone that can tell you where it is, or you have a friend who has in their pocket a smartphone who can tell you where it is. So I don't want to hear anyone say, well, I wanted to go, but I didn't know where to go. Come on, really? Siri or Google will be your friend. Right, Fabi? That is so cool. Okay, so... You know, Michael, there is an end game, I think. Jesus said, if you'll do two things, you'll fulfill everything. Love God, love your neighbor. That's what he said, right? He said, if you get these two down, you'll have the whole thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself and drink water. water of life. Thank you. I'm, did I say who I am? I'm supposed to introduce myself. I'm Ron. Hi. Hi, Marty. Nice to see you guys. Am I, do we, oh, hi, Paul. Hi, Ron. You want to fix my mic? I do. This is Paul, worship leader, sound tech, uh, food judge. Okay, so where do I need it? Oh, kind of above this tooth, okay, got it. I'll try to remember next time. Fabuloso. Okay, so I'm Ron, one of the pastors here, and I am glad to be with you. And we, were you, who was here last week, or maybe saw online, or something, what we did? Really, who wasn't here? Who, who has no idea what we talked about last week? Oh, so I have to back up and... Well, you're in Florida. Hi, welcome from Florida. You got a pass. <laughs> so last week, um, I did a kind of unusual talk with you. I'd been gone a long time. Uh, I'd been in Africa, and then when I got back, my life got kind of turned upside down. Um, because while I was gone, my dad, 90-year-old wonderful man, he finished his race and went to heaven while I was in Africa, and then that set off a series of things that I've been working on to care for family issues that you can imagine how that all goes. So I haven't been around a lot, and last week I was with you, and I shared more stories with you than my typical kind of exegetical teaching through the Bible. And those that are here know about that. So I talked about something called invisible inheritance, which was a phrase that I'd never heard before. And I still have never seen it written, but uh, it was something that the Lord spoke to me. And I shared with you just the story of what he shared with me. And you might want to go hear it. Um, go on our YouTube channel or Facebook, I think you can find it there, um, because there were some important things, but I'm going to pick up on some of the things that would be like a follow-up to that. So I just have had this, this thought on the theme of spiritual inheritance on my mind, um, probably triggered by my 
my dad dying and thinking about inheritance and spiritual inheritance. So I felt like I, we should go a little farther, a little deeper, and talk about another sort of a sub-theme regarding that. Sound good? You're with me? Okay, this time might be a little bit more like Bible teaching, but uh, let's, let's pray first. And let me pray this way. There's, there's kind of intercessory prayer, but I just simply want to welcome the Holy Spirit and invite him to come and rest on us. And I, I want to invite him and then just wait a minute. I know in America we don't like dead air on the radio, so we're not very comfortable generally with silence and waiting. Um, but actually silence and waiting before the Lord is a really good practice. So Holy Spirit... We just want to tell you again, we love you. We're thankful for you. And we invite you. Come, Holy Spirit. Take your place. Thank you for your peace, Lord. Thank you for your presence. We love your presence. We've drawn near to you. We've come to this place today because we love being with you. Your presence is really all we need. Like like your son David, we would say to you, one thing do we desire, to sit in your presence, beholding your beauty, gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. We love your presence. We love your face shining upon us. Thank you for the promise of your presence. Speak to us this morning as we draw near to you in your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, isn't the presence of the Lord good? Do you, do you, can you sense that he's here? You know, he promised if just two or three of you would gather in my name, I'll be there. So we know, he's, we know from a promise that he's here, but it's much more than just a belief. He's really, really, the living God is here. So have your ears open to hear what he might say. Well, so l let me just repeat some of the stuff I said last week and then launch into what I think we should look at today. Um, we talked about spiritual inheritance and the, the interesting phenomena that there is both negative and positive inheritance in the spiritual realm that comes to each of us. And if you think just a moment... You know about it, but we referred to uh, the, the place in the Exodus where God is giving the Ten Commandments, and he said these words, you shall have no other gods before me, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. 
You should not bow to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of their fathers to the third and the fourth generation, and on the other hand, showing love to a thousand or thousands of generations to those who love me and keep my commandments. And I mentioned last week a couple stories. Of like One was the guy that I met while I was in Africa, a fellow pastor from uh, New Mexico who was teaching at a school of ministry where I was also. And there was more to this story, but an interesting part was he told me how his grandfather was the first person in their family line to meet Jesus. Became a Christian, a follower of Jesus, and he became a worship leader. And then subsequently, his children, his grandchildren, now his great-grandchildren, almost all of them are serving the Lord. They're doing missions work. And interestingly, in his family line, there are 50 worship leaders. And I, heard, I was asking him what he thought about the idea of spiritual inheritance and a spiritual heritage. He said, oh, I believe in it, and told me that story. And like, what are the odds? Some guy gets saved, becomes a worship leader, and amongst his children and grandchildren, there's 50 worship leaders in one family that formerly were a family completely devoid of the presence of God. No Christians, no, follow, no even awareness of Jesus. Now fully, di- you know, they've dived in. Dived? Is that the right word? Dove? Divin? <laughs> they're all in, okay? And, and they're worship leaders. And I was like, I want to go to one of your family gatherings. One of his brothers is Tommy Walker of the Tommy Walker Band that some of you would know. Just an interesting story. Another story I told you was how in my family, I have a great-grandfather who immigrated from Germany. He was a Lutheran minister. And so amongst his children and grandchildren, I think just only two generations, there's 28 pastors like, how could that happen? And so we, we thought, there's, there's some examples of possibly the idea of spiritual heritage. And I think some of your minds are now spinning right now about your story. On the other hand, we looked at some negative things. You know, it's just a fact. If, if there is molestation in one generation, very often it goes to the next generation and the next and the next. A very negative, dark kind of spiritual heritage. There are stories of sins that get reproduced generation after generation. Something's going on spiritually in an inheritance kind of way. Um, we talked about the concept of an invisible inheritance that, in the language of last week, had a lot to do with the reality of someone who comes from a very negative situation. I told you the story of my mom's side of the family that was very negative how you can get grafted into the body of Christ and take hold of the entire inheritance that comes from the body of Christ. And that happened in my family line through my mother, who was from a distant place with violence and alcoholism and rejection, but she was grafted in and fully embraced the Lord and got the full inheritance. We talked about Ruth in the Bible, who came from the terrible place of the Moabites. Not a good people, not a good inheritance, not a good um, lineage. But she became the grandmother of David, the man with the heart after God. And we looked at how she fully gave herself to her new place in the family of God. And we, we read this verse. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. 
This is Paul writing to the church at Galatia. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You're all one in Christ. And this amazing sentence, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed or offspring and heirs according to the promise. And we read a little bit about the promise to Abraham and what his heirs would experience you with me? Remember these stories? We, we didn't read this, but we could have read this one as well. This is Paul writing to the church at Rome. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, sons and daughters. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, like Daddy, Papa, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, inheritance, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If so be, or if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, when Paul used this word, heir, that's the English word he obviously wasn't writing in English, or maybe not obviously to you, he was writing in Greek. And he was writing from the context of being a Roman citizen, understanding the Roman laws about inheritance and heirs, and he was talking to a people who were immersed in that culture. So they would have caught more of the metaphor than you and I catch today, because we're generations of, you know, away and we have a different language. So I looked back to discover what was, what was inherent in that language that he was using. So if, if you follow me, I'll try not to get too, um, too technical here, but there's a word that he's using, it's used multiple times in the New Testament, it's kleronomos. It comes from two words, kleros, which has to do with the casting of lots for choosing inheritance, and it implies possession, and nomos means law. It's the law of inheritance. And as I read, I read this, kleronomos, or heir, signifies more than one who inherits or obtains a portion. It means to take into possession. And you saw the title on the screen. That's where I'm coming up with this phrase for us today, taking possession of our inheritance. And heir signifies more than just getting it. It signifies taking into possession. The word, while being virtually a title, also conveys the significance of dominion and authority. And listen to this next part. It's also interesting to find that it wasn't unheard of for persons to refuse an inheritance because they did not want to take on the responsibilities or fulfill the conditions associated with being an heir. Because to become an heir meant you take on the place of the father, including the benefits and the responsibilities of having his position. And are you hearing that spiritually? You have a calling, if you're a follower of Jesus, as a son or daughter of Abraham, with all the blessings, but there's a responsibility of also being a vehicle to bring blessing to others. So there's a taking of that possession. Kleronomos signifies more than one who inherits or obtains a portion, it means to take into possession. 
The word for heir means to take into possession. So there's, there's something that's added now as we're talking about spiritual inheritance. When you discover, either from the Bible itself or even from learning what you've been grafted into in the body of Christ, that there's an inheritance for you, you and I then also have a responsibility in order to receive it, to take it by faith, sometimes through warfare. Do you remember the children of Israel who were promised a promised land? Anyone read the Bible? I mean, this is a Christian church, right? Let me... Okay, so Exodus. Or maybe you saw the movie. Prince of Egypt, the Ten Commandments. So they're given this promise to Abraham and the offspring, and they're taken out of Egypt miraculously. And when they go into the promised land, it is all-out warfare. They have to take possession. Here's the language to Joshua, the man who came after Moses, who was chosen by God to bring the people into their inheritance. This is Joshua 1. The angel of the Lord speaking to Joshua, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. What do you mean be strong and courageous? thought you were giving me an inheritance. Why have to be strong and courageous? Can I just take the money? No. Be careful to obey all the law, my instructions my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Don't let this book of the law, that would be this book of the instructions of God, depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have not, I command, have not I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. That's the third time the angel of the Lord says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified and do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Are you hearing that as words to you maybe today? As you think of God has given me an inheritance Some of it visible, some of it invisible, some of it by being grafted into the body of Christ, some of it by the spiritual heritage of my forefathers. Even from the, when you are entered into a church movement, you become an heir of what the forefathers of that movement have fought for and given their life to and had revelation come to them that comes to you by way of being in that family. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people Go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you'll cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for them. You must go in and take possession. Another thing I was reading in some commentaries this word kleronomos, heir, signifies or refers to a son after he succeeded to the inheritance as a representative of his father undertaking the duties and obligations of the father. In other words, for you and I to be what Paul wrote to the church at Rome, that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, is in some sense to have the life of the Messiah reproduced in us so that as he was a blessing and was taking the message of reconciliation 
to the people of Israel, we are called to take the message of reconciliation, be reconciled to God, to the world. And the Bible says that you've been given the message of reconciliation. You can have peace with God. And we go everywhere telling people you can be reunited with God. That relationship's been broken by sin, but now is restored by you putting your faith in Jesus and you enter into the family of God. So we are to take our role, to take possession of our inheritance of having the blessings of Christ and the ministry of Christ to be a blessing to the world. Does that make sense to you? Thank you for the person over here that that makes sense to Part of this, I, I just sort of referred to it, but this is a growing inheritance in the body of Christ for generation after generation. The nature of inheritance is that each generation not only receives via spiritual inheritance what our forefathers have given to us as inheritance by the Lord, but we also have in our own lives the things that God gives us to take possession of that then get handed down collectively from our forefathers in our generation to the next generation. Do you see that? So it's a growing inheritance. So just think, way back in the 1500s, one man, a priest, a monk by the name of Martin Luther, got a hold of a revelation that he gave his life to fight for, that the people who are justified by God are the ones not who do works of religion, but who simply trust in God. The word of Paul, the just shall live by faith, which was a repetition of a word from the Old Testament, became alive to him, and the Reformation began in the 1500s that we today are heirs of. It's so common that all of us know salvation is not by works, but by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we all know none of us can work hard, and I hope we all know, none of us can work hard enough to have salvation given to us. It's a free gift that comes completely by trusting in Jesus. That is what you are heirs of, right? And many more things were given to the body of Christ before we came on the scene, but I think in particular in 1907, the Azusa Street Revival that changed the nations of the whole world because one man, a poor black man who was blind in one eye, remember that story? gets a hold of the truth that today everyone can have the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he began preaching. I mean, and 1900 America, there was a lot of animus toward a black poor man in a white neighborhood, right? But that didn't matter. He preached that message and a revival literally swept the entire world and it's active today such that the places where the church of Jesus Christ are growing in the global south are almost 100% those heirs of that Pentecostal revival. And you and I are like, you know, four generations away from that with all the additions that we've experienced. So we've got the just shall live by faith. We've got you can speak in tongues because the Holy Spirit's available to you and you can heal the sick and you can prophesy and you can have the fullness of what the first people had because of a revelation that came to a guy in 1907. I don't even know if you knew that. 
You didn't know that. You, revival history is pretty amazing. And um, in our heritage, you know, someone came along and said, those Pentecostals are powerful, but they're kind of weird, right? Do we have to be like that? And, and they, they realized, no, you can be naturally supernatural. And that became our heritage in, in the vineyard movement, where um, our forefathers, you know, not that long ago, discovered that there's something called intimacy with God the Father in worship. And we were doing it this morning. Simply singing love songs to God. And we are the heirs of the power of the Spirit and also of being naturally supernatural and also having intimacy with God in worship. And what's the result? If, if you're new to this walk with the Lord, this is a new thing that you turn on any Christian radio station and the only music they play is worship music. That's new. That was not the, the way it was when Christian radio was going on when I was a kid. They never played worship music. It didn't exist. But it so filled the earth that we are heirs of intimacy with God through worship. But every generation in the body of Christ, in spiritual language, can become aware of what our forefathers have received that's come to us by way of inheritance and now by faith, lay a hold of it and fight for it and take possession of it and live in it and pass it on. Does that make sense? Do you believe me? <laughs> Here's an Old Testament story that illustrates this. Anyone ever heard of Elijah the prophet? Okay, good. Anyone heard of the next one that came after him named Elisha. The way I remember who's who is J comes before S, so Elijah came before Elisha. It's a little <laughs> trick if you don't know. So there's this prophet of God named Elijah, and you read this story. Then Elijah said to Elisha, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 6, it's about ready to be a transfer of anointing, authority, leadership, ministry. Elijah's going to finish his race and now the next generation is going to come. Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan, Elijah to Elisha. Elisha replies, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I won't leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of prophets went and stood at the distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan River. This, by the way, is the same river that years before Joshua crossed over with the children of Israel to enter the promised land. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it, and the water divided right and left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they crossed over, Elijah said to Elijah, tell me, what can I do, before you, do for you before I'm taken from you? And he goes, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Not an easy ask. By the way, that doesn't mean, like it sounds to you and me if we don't know the culture, it doesn't mean I want twice as much as what you get. He's talking about the right of inheritance of a firstborn son. In this culture, the firstborn son got twice as much as all the brothers. They got a double portion. So they took the inheritance, divided it up. The oldest son got twice and got a lot of authority. And he's saying, I want the inheritance of the firstborn son. That's what I want from you. 
You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it'll be yours. Otherwise, not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire, which is where we got the name of the movie, by the way, chariots of fire, and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Dang, that was cool. I want to see the movie of this. Elisha saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. In other words, the strength of Israel, you're taken away. And Elisha saw him no more, took his own clothes, tore them apart, and the cloak of Elijah fell, which was a symbol of Elijah's inheritance. Elisha takes the cloak, goes to the bank of the river, and he took the cloak from him and he struck it. And he said, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? When he struck the water, it divided to the right and the left, and he crossed over. Now, there's a picture there that I probably have never mentioned because maybe I've been embarrassed, but I do this. I think about those that have gone before me. Like those of you that remember, some of you are old enough to remember the guy that planted our church, Jack Little, gifted evangelist. When I am going to do something evangelistically, I take that cloak and I strike the water and I say, where is the Lord God of Jack? When he could preach, many would get saved. I want that anointing. Give it to me. Because I'm trying to take a hold of the inheritance that came to me. Do you think I'm weird? Because if you think I am, you're right. But I think I want you to be weird like me. Yeah. Right? You can, I think you can do this in the spirit. I think you can look back at the inheritance that you've been grafted into and not just go, I wish I had that too. <laughs> oh, I never get anything. <sighs> I guess I'll go home and eat chocolate. Or you can say, Lord God, I'm an heir of salvation. I'm of the seed of Abraham. Where is the God of Abraham that blessed many? I want to be a blessing. Give me that inheritance. And you take a hold of it by faith. And you act out what you've seen from your forefathers in faith and see if maybe he'll give you some of it. I don't know what you said, but I agree, whatever it was. <laughs> and, oh, then eat chocolate. Amen. That's part of my heritage. <laughs> Love you too, bro. Jesus said this. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. That's inheritance. See, if you have faith in Jesus, you've become a co-heir with Christ. This might mean more than if you just have enough faith to do what I've been doing, you can do what I've been doing. It might just simply mean if you've put your trust in me, then I'm dying and you get my inheritance. Paul uses that language. He died, but he rises again. But because we put our faith in him, we are now sons of God, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So if you put your faith in Jesus, you can depend that you ought to be able to do the same things that he did. So I read that, 
and I will step out in faith, and I'm not, you know, I'm not doing the same things Jesus did too much, but occasionally I am. So I will, by faith, take possession of the promise that I can lay hands on the sick and they will be well. So I do it, and sometimes, guess what happens? The kingdom of God breaks in. And people are set free from their sickness. And Satan's defeated and God's glorified and people are blessed. And I'm walking in the inheritance of my father, Abraham, that I've been grafted into because I trusted in Jesus. And that's for all of us in the body of Christ. And it should, I think, grow from generation to generation to generation. So I can come to a place like this and say, I got grafted into this thing called the vineyard. And I've got the forefathers before us. So I know that they were given intimacy with God through worship. So I know that I can sit on the piano, play a chord, and sing a simple love song to the Lord and walk in the inheritance that's in our house. And suddenly there's tears and an experience of God's overwhelming love because we're heirs of what our forefathers have given us, and you are too. So take possession of your inheritance. Let me check my notes to see if there's anything else I'm supposed to say. Oh, there is. How are we doing? You want to do another section of scripture? Good, because I wanted to. Titus chapter 4. No, Titus chapter 3, verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. Did you have the kindness and love of God your Savior appear to you ever? Somebody? On that day when you met Jesus, the kindness and love of God our Savior. By the way, someone tells you at the door, they're from a non-Christian thing that they call Christian. They say, well, you know, the word Trinity isn't in the Bible. Jesus never said he was God. You might just pull out Titus chapter 3, verse 4, and see that Jesus is called God, our Savior. Just one of many places. When the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we'd done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. See, Jesus Christ, our Savior, God, our Savior, and the Holy Spirit. We got the Trinity in one verse. That's just an aside for free. But listen, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Now, look at that again. The purpose for God, our Savior, giving us rebirth through the washing and renewal of the Holy Spirit was so that we would become heirs. And because of that, Paul says this by the Holy Spirit. This is a trustworthy saying. I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may do something. 
The Holy Spirit came and brought washing and renewal of rebirth in you for a purpose, that you'd become heirs. We want you to know this so that you'll do something. You'll take possession of something so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. See, good works are there, but not for salvation, but as an overflow of salvation. Did you see that? As an overflow of salvation because you're an heir. And because you're an heir, you're an heir of Abraham and much more than that. So you have the resource to do good works. So what Michael was talking about is this. Because, he said, Jesus spent time with the Father, then went out, looked, saw, and had compassion on those in need and did something about it. Because you have trusted in God, you are an heir of salvation, you are an heir of Abraham's promise, therefore devote yourselves, because of who you now are as an heir, to doing good works, because now you have resources to bring the full blessing of the kingdom of God and of heaven to people all around you. So get to work doing good works, because you're an heir of salvation, and that's why the Holy Spirit washed and renewed you. Washed and renewed you. <laughs> Sorry, I ate my words there, right? <laughs> Wait, did you, did you hear all that? It was the purpose of what God did through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to make you an heir, one who inherits the full blessing of the family of God from Abraham right down through Jesus, right down through the forefathers in the churches that pre preceded us till we are here today at our time. You are an heir of salvation, take possession of your inheritance and go do good works. Go do something. Don't just take it and say, yes, I'm an heir of salvation. That means I can go home and think about, I can't wait to get to heaven now. This world sucks, but I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm just going to stay hidden in my house, maybe get together with some other Christians, and we'll stay hidden together too, and we'll talk about how bad those people are out there, and then we'll sing some songs of worship, and we'll sing Kumbaya until Jesus comes and raptures us out of here so we can have a good time in the future, because that's our hope. That's not your hope. It's part of your hope, but your hope is more that you are an heir of the promises of God and you can be like Jesus to our world. Jesus is in the midst of restoring and renewing all of creation and he's called you and me as heirs to be part of that process. That's what I'm trying to say. Somebody say amen, okay? <laughs> Thank you. Okay, let's stand up and I'll be done. <laughs> uh. Ron, maybe you should drink more decaf. I don't know. You won't be so aggro then. Yeah. Let's look to the Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. And the band's looking for a key.
Let's start major. Lord, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We want to know the truth of our inheritance and take possession of it and be your children taking responsibility for our role as sons and daughters of the Most High God with all of the benefits and all of the responsibility of being your hand, your feet, your mouth to be a blessing to our world. Give us a heart of compassion People, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit that you might be heirs. And that you might take possession of your inheritance and walk it out. Holy Spirit. We have some people that love to pray for folks that are probably already making their way down to the front. I see a couple over here. And more of you come. Would you listen to the Lord drawing you and giving you hunger for more of Him and more of being in your inheritance? And some of you should, should come and have someone bless you and pray over you. As the Lord's drawing you, respond to Him in that way. If you're here and you need some kind of healing in your life, in your body, in your relationships, in your heart. Come and let some people pray over you by the power of the Spirit. If you have been more in tune with the negative history of your family life, and you've let the negative story overshadow the positive story of who you are now being engrafted into the body of Christ, We'd like to break that awful word off of you and impart to you the truth of who you are in Christ. And let us pray over you in that way too. You are God's chosen people. You know that word. You are a special people called by God, chosen by Him. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.